Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. Gangsters, what's up, guys? Kenny Florian. Oh, my God! Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. It is the weekly highlight for Kenny Florian, the Anik and Florian Podcast. Monday, July 16th, 2018, episode 163. It is good to see you. It is always good to see you. We were having some audio issues figured out and we were talking about the cameras right and how they're framing up your shot Mm. i don't know how they ever try to frame me up i cannot sit still i cannot stay in the frame so i would assume they just punt when it comes to trying to frame me up for this show i mean i miss those audio only days ken flow yeah just half of your face it's fine it's fine it's the flow show annie come on it is and well anyway it is the flow show just like the post fight show you're sitting in that lead analyst seat (laughs) Look great, by the way. I like the wardrobe. I don't know who dressed you this weekend, but I like how the pocket square doesn't at all match the necktie because that's the way it's done, GQ. That's right. That's right. A new suit, by the way. No big deal. Ooh, had my okay. name Had my name stitched into the suit. That's how you know okay. it's for real. I know you're yeah. keeping the hair a little bit shorter th- these days, which yeah. we like. So. Uh, I mean, you could always go shorter, but, you know, <laughs> respect people's differences, right? Uh, so this has been a crazy UFC stretch. Six live events, actually, in a span of 30 days, July 6th to August 4th. Uh, and this was obviously a tough week, tough act to follow for Boise after UFC 226 and Daniel Cormier's big win. Uh, and Ray Longo is going to join us here in a few minutes, but we're going to get into the Boise stuff here off the top. And it seems like oftentimes, Kenny, we'd lead with the main event or, or a championship fight if you have a championship doubleheader. But I feel like on a week like this, we should lead with the most relevant win. And I don't know if they asked you that on, on the post fight mm. show. To me, the biggest win of the weekend belonged to Super Sage Northcutt. Uh, And I'd like to start there. You know, I thought this was a good test for him at this point in time. And, you know, a lot of people thought he was going to be a problem. Tyrone Woodley, chief among them. And uh, I know you've sort of been on the bandwagon early. I think Sage Northcutt has some real potential. Eight or nine UFC fights at 22 years old. And uh, none bigger than the win he got this weekend and the way he had to get it, I think, for you. I think I was on the bandwagon early, and then I was off the bandwagon for a little while, and and a little harsh towards uh, Sage Northcutt at times. Just, you know, I I said, listen, he should develop outside of the UFC, then come back. Um, Why? Because, 
you know, coming up in the UFC is a very difficult thing to do. I had to do it. I had to trip up repeatedly fighting high-level competition all the time, and it's a tough way to come up. You know, I wish I had way more experience prior to getting into the UFC or prior to getting on the Ultimate Fighter. And um, for Sage, you could see the potential, clearly. Um, and, uh, you know, we saw him struggle as well, especially against guys who can take him down, put him on his back, and frustrate him there, get into, uh, you know, positions where they can beat him up or, or hit a submission. Um, guess what? He answered that call extremely well on Saturday. I mean, there couldn't be a worse way to start a fight. Uh, right. He gets hit with a huge shot, gets dropped. Zach Otto gets on top, got mount at one point, you know, was close to getting a guillotine or relatively close to getting a guillotine um, and had him on his back for a little while. So he was rocked. He was in terrible positions. Uh, and he was able to get himself back to his feet at the end of that first round. Still kind of kept that fire in. He did not quit. Um, and came back again in the second round and got the finish uh, with those hammer fists. And I think this is a huge fight for his development, both technically, psychologically as a fighter. Um, these, are the, these are the fights you want to see your guy uh, kind of experience early on in their career. Uh, and I think Sage, um, th- this is going to be huge for him confidence-wise moving forward. You said on the post-fight shows, like three fights in one, right? You had the early yep. adversary, adversity, had to fight off of his back, which is something that he needs to work on and develop, obviously. And so a lot of good tests within that fight for, for Sage Northcott. I mean, am I crazy in saying it was the most relevant win of the weekend? I mean, it certainly won't have divisional ramifications the way Junior Dos Santos's win will. But I think big picture, this kid, as I just looked at, six and two in the UFC. I mean, Kemflo, you were almost 20 when Sage was born March 1st, 1996. And we talk about Stefan Struve and some of these guys who had hoped to get to like 50 UFC appearances. I mean, Sage looks solid to me, man. He's got like a big chin when he's a little bit filled out, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and I say that not talking about his body fat, but he, he looked good at 170 pounds. Uh, I'm not saying Zach Otto is any world beater. who He's alternated wins and losses every step of the way in his UFC career, but I, I'm, I'm intrigued by Sage Northcutt moving forward, and if they continue to sort of matchmake him the right way, uh, I think this guy could be a real problem come 24, 25, 26 years old. I agree. I think they're doing good things with him over at Team Alpha Male. I think defensively he's got some stuff he needs to work on. But again, he's 22 years old at the end of the day. Of course, he's got some stuff to work on. Uh, You know, defensively on the feet, he needs to be a little bit better. Of course, you know, wrestling, uh, some jiu-jitsu will certainly help him. But yeah, absolutely. I'm kind of excited about Sage again. Um, Did some good stuff with his lead leg there. Had a nice uh, right, right cross counter that he was landing. Uh, and he has very good people around him, man. And, and I agree with you, absolutely. That was the most relevant win, I think. I think with Junior DeSantos and, and Ivanov, which we'll get into later, I was expecting a little bit more out of their performance. Yeah. Either say, hey, Ivanov's the real deal, or JDS is back, and this is a guy who can maybe get a, get his belt back. But we yeah. didn't really see that, uh, unfortunately, from, from both those guys. Right. And Chad Mendez, Alexander Volkanovsky, there are arguments to be made that those yes. were, were big wins this weekend, of course. So I'm proposing a new nickname, though, for Sage Northcutt. I think we should call him the breath of fresh air on the front of his name. Like Super Sage Northcutt is nice, but I think like Beast in 25-8, you got to evolve. And I think that's what he is to this sport in a lot of respects, right, Mr. Florian? He's The breath of fresh air, (laughs) Sage Northcutt. That's a super nickname, Mr. Anik. (laughs) Well, always a a breath of fresh air. Uh, Let's get to Ray Longo. 
It's now time for the Ray Longo Minute. I want you to punch a hole in this fucking chest. That's what I want. The Ray Longo Minute. Starring Ray Longo. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. Can always tell what kind of mood Ray is in. <laughs> See, he wasn't smiling right out of the shoot today. Now he's smiling a little Seriously. bit, but you're having an okay Monday, Ray. Oh, man, it's, it's sweltering hot over in Long Island. <laughs> it is amazing. Everybody in the Northeast, and Kenny and I have a combined 60-plus years living in the great state of Massachusetts. Everybody in the Northeast during the summer complains about the heat. I mean, why, why does anyone still live there? It's freezing uh, in the winter, <laughs> yeah. and in the summer, y'all bitch about that, too. Well, listen, John, it's the most moved out of state in the country. So I think they're not only yeah, right. it, they're, they're taking action. But my they problem are. is that to do the podcast, I have to lock the door in my office, which is on air conditioning. Oh. <laughs> we take it to another level. Jeez. So as I, uh, as I was sitting here waiting, I was like, I don't know if I could take this much longer. I'm like, I'm <laughs> making myself. That had to be Weidman's decision. Get some AC in there. Exactly. Jesus. Exactly. Uh, and again, all you have to do is walk into the gym, and you can meet Ray Longo. By the way, anything <laughs> oh, yeah, you want. No, so, yeah, time. how Maybe. many strangers? How many weird <laughs> strangers have you come? Have you no, come across? Every, come, Kenny, and you notice, Kenny, you notice because now you have a school every yeah. week. Yeah, Anakin every invites them all week. to my gym, to your gym. It's ridiculous. We got yeah, we got people just stuff. Yeah, that should be the reality show. I start taping everybody that comes in here. I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding you. We had someone walk in into Meragi and she was barely dressed like she you know she was it was a, <laughs> it's terrible Ooh. it was a person that just came right in and she was barely like she she was not right right so yeah. uh I blame Anik for this I blame Anik for this it was an <laughs> awkward situation during class I'd rather have a naked woman walk in than some of the people I have. To I don't know with. if you want this woman walking in. No, oh, right. no. yeah, this Poor we had a wacky her... woman last week, but she was fully dressed. Yeah, okay, so. all right. I think Kenny's insinuating you got poor people who don't have a home coming in. Will shouting out stop? the Anik and Florian podcast. Listen. You know? yeah. Oh, I sorry. Yeah, Not yeah, a good yeah, situation. Yeah, I blame Anik. Yep. But somehow she I, listens I, to the podcast, apparently. I, don't right. know. I apologize for a lot of things, much more than my wife does, that's for sure. So, Ray. In terms of these FS1 UFC fight nights, much has been made of their interminability, if that's a word, right? And how long these shows go, six or seven hours. We ask a lot of MMA fans, 40 Saturday nights a year. You're on the East Coast. I mean, I don't know what time you get out of bed. I know you don't have three kids under the age of seven, God help me. But for me, staying up for Dos Santos and Ivanov on the East Coast uh, is a huge ask. So I didn't watch it until this morning. I mean, are you easily up up till 2 a.m. watching these fights every Saturday night? Yeah, I'm easily up. I'm a, I'm definitely a night owl. Uh, yeah, that's that's not a problem for me. But I'm 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 sure I'm the minority. But uh, yeah, I'm, I I don't go to bed before two. So for me, it's it's actually perfect. So and you want JDS and even off to go the full 25 minutes, right? You're invested, you're awake, or because I think a lot of fans uh, like me, I'm I'm yeah. tr- I'm fighting it, and I'm I'm hoping for a knockout just because I want to watch the whole fight before I go to bed. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm, um, yeah, no, I did watch the whole 25 minutes, but I will tell you this: at the end of the third round, I was kind of hoping it was over, and then I realized yeah. there was two more rounds to go. So, yeah. you know, I don't know, but no, no, I had no problem watching it, but. uh like, again, I think I'm definitely by far the minority, but I've always been a night owl and, you know, I've adjusted my schedule and I'm, I'm able to, you know, work the hours I want to work. So I get up late and I go to bed late. 
So what was your biggest takeaway this weekend? I think for us it was Sage Northcutt. I think Dos Santos left a little bit to be desired, at least according to to Tyron Woodley on the post-fight show. What did you make of the action this weekend? I tell you, look, Sage Northcutt, I think uh, I kind of think they probably in their heads were throwing him to the wolves a little bit. And, uh, you know, I thought he hit adversity and he looked great. I think that was a, that was the best I've ever seen him based on a couple of factors, even mentally and, and physically. But uh, I thought that was a big test for him at 170, and I thought he did great. I have hats off to him because, like, again, it looked like he was going to be out in that first round, and he survived and came back stronger than ever. So really great fight for him. Hey, Ray, what did you think about that hammer fist knockout off of his back from Nico Price against Randy oh, Brown? I tell that you, was, that I'm was wild. I'm going to tell you something. When I – Kenny, when I was watching that, I go, wow, we got another controversy. I didn't think – I didn't catch – like, I was watching it, but I was like, wow, this ref just stopped the fight early. Right. Until I saw the other guy fall down. So it was a great pickup. I think it was Herb Dean. Phenomenal pickup because you're yeah. not expecting that from the bottom. And I think the takeaway on that, man, is always be hitting. And those scrambles, yeah. if you can get a couple of shots, you should be – you know, those are your half beats, man. You're throwing them in there as you're transitioning – as you're scrambling, and I mm-hmm. think you're going to see a lot more of that because of that. Yeah. But, yeah, that was phenomenal, man. I thought and – I, and I think the other takeaway on that is because it was off his back, again, and you know, when Rude Boy or Randy Brown's a big dude, did yeah. that weight cut, did that, you know, affect his brain to where he couldn't mm. even take that type of shot? You know what I mean? Mm. That was my original takeaway was, wow, I wonder if this guy's struggling to make the weight because he's 6'3 at 170 and he's a big dude. Yeah. But – Phenomenal for Nico Price. Very strange, but uh, I'm going to say you might see more of that now. He's going to, because a lot of times you don't even want to do it because you're wasting energy and you figure they'll look like more annoying shots. But that, he went out, out. Like that wasn't even like close. Anik, ABH, always be hitting. ABH, baby. That's it. You I know? think that's my takeaway. I like that. I do feel like as you get older, as we get older and this sport evolves, you see these things, these trends, these themes come in. We've talked about that low calf kick, and I do agree that Nico Price is onto something. And and Ken Flo, I'm no tactician or technician, I should say, but he had his foot sort of trapping Randy Brown's head in there so that there was nowhere for the head to go. And it made those strikes concussive, you know? And he had the double attack, really, because either Randy Brown had to get away and hide his head, right? He'd protect from the hammer fist, or he had to defend the leg lock. So if he put his weight on the other side, he would have attacked the leg and maybe finish that leg lock, whether it was a a heel hook or a knee bar. So Randy Brown was in a big-time dilemma there. Uh, but, yeah, I, I love seeing that. When someone stays active off of their guard, it makes the exactly. sport more exciting. And you're going to see, just exactly like Ray said, everyone's going to be working on this. They're going to realize right. that, hey, listen, you can hit off your back too. Yeah, exactly. And I tell you, he that first shot, he must have landed perfectly because you're right. The foot secured the head, but it's not like it was against the wall. There mm-hmm. was still some give there. Right. You know what I mean? I don't think you could have. But, but just enough, I guess, to, to cause that knockout. Yeah, right. You're right. Just a little bit of give enough yeah. to sort of maximize the, the damage. All right, last hey, thing, uh, eye pokes, right? Stipe Miocic mm-hmm. had a lot of things to say to ESPN.com. We'll get into some of the rematch requests later. But in terms of the eye pokes from Daniel Cormier, and obviously the knockout came shortly after the action was interrupted. Here's a quote from Stipe on the eye pokes. Uh, that hurt, and it definitely fucked me up a little bit. I didn't realize the referee was warning him about it until after when my coaches told me they were all pissed. No excuses, but that shit hurt, and it's not like it was just a little poke. 
it was knuckle deep. So do you as a coach know what the rule is on eye pokes and how it's not a groin strike and you don't get five minutes? I mean, as fighter and coach here, do you guys know that when you get poked in the eye, the referee, they don't give you five minutes and ultimately once you get cleared by the ringside physician, the action resumes? Uh... No, I, I can't say I, I knew that, but I knew they changed it after Volante's thing in New Jersey. Where because of Volante, they changed that because the ref can't ask you, can you, can you see? Because if you say no, right. then they have to stop the fight. And then, you know, of course you can't see. You just got poked in the eye. So I think they they made a little, you know, improvement in that. But look, at the end of the day, that thing sucks getting poked in the eye, and you got to fight through it. But you know, it's. If you have the right ref in there, I think he kind of inadvertently, not inadvertently, kind of tries to give you as much time as possible. He's not, they're not rushing you. So right. maybe, maybe they, that, that would be a great rule change. You get up to five minutes for an eye poke. So yeah. nobody's panicking and they don't feel like they have to rush in there. But see, that's a rule change that I think would be awesome. You know, something yeah. that yeah. like really benefits the fighters because, you know, even like, I, I think there were so many bad decisions that night. I don't want to go back to the judging thing, but I mean, forget about like, you know, putting in kidney kicks and some of the other shit address stuff that makes a difference to the fighters. And that's, I think that's correctable with these judges. They have to, you have to interview these guys and find out what they're, what they're thinking right. and then let everybody else make the, the, the opinion. And you might have to get rid of some guys or suspend them. But right. some of those decisions I thought were just, off the wall yeah it was certainly a forgettable night for the judges and we're going to get into a lot of that stuff so not the best cellular telephone signal today i guess because you're in a sauna right now so you're cutting weight the whole time at <laughs> I, least I, I really right say, that's I a good I, thing I dropped, no i dropped another two pounds during the interview yeah that's good that's good down to 168 all right well we love uh, you man. uh have a great week and thank you for all your right. time as always all right guys thanks man have a great one all right, right. great Ray Longo with us here on the Anakin Florian podcast. So, Ken Flo, you don't get five minutes unless it's a groin strike. And people think, oh, an MMA round is five minutes, so that's why you get five minutes. Has nothing to do with that, right? In boxing, where some of this stuff initially was drawn from, uh, there aren't a lot of eye pokes, right? right? So, groin strike, it's just you get five minutes, and I think any man can speak to the sensitivity of that versus maybe getting poked in the eye, but... I think absolutely this is a rule that should be changed. If you get poked in the eye, uh, you should have those five minutes with which to release, in my opinion. Couldn't agree more. And here's the problem is that if fighters really understand that, what's stopping them from doing it? What's well, stopping them from doing yeah. it? You know, you get one. You get one warning. That that could change the fight. I mean, it's happened right. to me. So, And, again, um, it, I – I do not think at all that Daniel Cormier was trying to do this on purpose. He's always kind of had his hands back when he comes back, or sometimes he's framing. Uh, of course, right. John Jones has been accused of doing that. I don't think those guys are doing it on purpose. I, I just think that when you have an open-handed glove, that's just kind of what you do. If you had a boxing glove on, you would do the same thing, just your fingers wouldn't be exposed. So uh, it's just a way to frame on your opponent uh, and kind of defend yourself a little bit. But this is something that's happening more and more. And when you're talking about these huge stakes, you know, UFC heavyweight belt on the line, these are the kind of things that can change the fight, right? Sure. I mean, it, it's it's these little things that turn into big things. If you can't see, if you're messed up and one of your eyes are messed up, yeah, you're, you're, you're probably going to get hurt on that side. So uh, unfortunate stuff there for, for Stipe. Um, but again, uh, this this was not an intentional thing on Daniel's part, in my, in my and opinion. And we weren't 
and we were not dismissing it as a factor potentially in the fight. And you can cer- certainly understand why Stipe's camp would think maybe it was a factor in the fight. It was not our intention to not talk about it last week, so I, I at least wanted to address it here. Um, but I think the timing was not coincidental, but it was really circumstantial. You know, the action had resumed, and again, I'd like to see Stipe have gotten five minutes there, but also Stipe isn't necessarily the type of guy to take his five minutes there. Whereas I think right. Cormier, uh, maybe a little bit of a higher fight IQ, might take those full five minutes if he was really compromised, whereas Stipe would probably just want to get back in there and, and resume business. You know, it seems like Stipe just can't wait to get to fight night and actually get in there and fight. But uh, certainly part of the storyline and the narrative that we regretted not at least bringing up last week. You've been talking about these themes, right? How UFC fight nights end up taking on a theme. And yes. this weekend, as Longo talked about, The judges' scorecards were a theme here, Ken Flo, and I hate to laugh, right, because you're talking about people's livelihood, and as I tweeted over the weekend, you know, a fighter's job is hard enough, but Rick Glenn versus Dennis Bermudez, a lot of people thought that that fight maybe could have gone either way, but should have gone to Dennis Bermudez. He certainly felt that way. Alexander Volkanovsky versus Darren Elkins, the right guy won the fight, obviously, but two judges had it 29-28 there by giving Darren Elkins a round, which I know you and I disagree with. Yeah. And then Saeed Nurmagomedov against Justin Scoggins. I don't like the word robbery, but I think this one gets closer to that description than a lot of fights I've seen called that recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, split goes to Nurmagomedov, a fight that you and I both thought Justin Scoggins won. Um, you know, I didn't spend my morning researching these judges and how long they've looked at mixed martial arts there in Boise, Idaho. I don't know if they're local or not, um, but it was not good this weekend, man. And you got to feel for Scoggins and some other fighters. It was not good at all. Um, and, you know, I'm, my fear is that this starts to become the norm uh, and we have to be very careful with that. Uh, and we have to be even more careful as we start to spread around the sport. We need to make sure that we have quality judging uh, and. Again, you're talking about things that are going to define people's careers, right? Uh, Dennis Bermudez uh, was on a little bit of slide. He's been struggling lately. He's trying to get back on track. He's got a tough fight against Rick Glenn. Uh, And I thought he won that third round. It really was going to come down to that third round. He did not get it. Justin Scoggins, another guy who has been a little inconsistent, um, despite his phenomenal footwork, his uh, high-level striking, um, you know, I thought he won that fight. You could even argue that he may have won all three rounds, 30-27. Right. Um, I thought it was probably a 29-28 for Scoggins, but yep. that is just awful. It is awful. You're affecting people's careers. You know, you talk about the difference between what they're going to take home or what their next fight is going to be. Uh, it, it's awful. and it, it, It's inexcusable. It, there's There were some really bad judging calls. Uh, and then even in the fight against Elkins for, for uh, Volkanovski, I thought he won all three rounds there. Right. Uh, so not good, man. Not, not good. A little, little scary, actually. I do think eventually we'll get there when it comes to judges, and I think you're going to have informed people sitting in their basements or sitting somewhere where we can sort of control away. I do think, as Joe Rogan has said for years, you need more judges. But again, you just have the masses all out there, some pretty trained eyes at this point who all see one thing. And then the three scorecards that matter, at least two of them see something different. And for for Justin Scoggins, and with respect to Saeed Nurmagomedov, who I know thinks he won this fight and certainly had some moments, but for Scoggins now, it reads L3, he's lost five of seven, 
0-2 since returning to the flyweight division and definitely not getting probably a top 10 guy, right? And someone say, oh, from a matchmaking standpoint, maybe they spin it forward in a good way for him. And maybe they do, but uh, half the money and a three-fight losing streak for Justin Scoggins. And uh, I will say, too, there was one point in this fight, the referee, uh, Rulon Day, and I don't call these guys out really very often if you look at my twitter feed like i i deleted a tweet this weekend calling these guys out if that means anything um it doesn't because i just acknowledged that i did that but <laughs> saeed nurmagomedov gets a seemingly dominant position on the ground kenny and starts throwing punches and rulon day gets in there and stands the fighters up right. so if the judges could be heard from maybe one of them would say you know why i gave him that round mm -hmm. because you know, he had a dominant position on the round, yeah. and the, ref the referee took it away from him, so I wanted to give him the benefit of the doubt because maybe he would have controlled Scoggins there for 90 right. seconds or two minutes, and that would have affected the round. But I'm sitting here watching these judges and referees have a profound impact on the outcome, and it it's really disappointing. Yeah, and, and John, you know, a, a lot of people, you know, th their most common thing on, on Twitter is, well, why don't you get former fighters or, you know, former coaches to go in there? Some are doing that, but... It's not like you're in there making, you know, five G's, ten G's, you know, a, a night. You're not making right. very much. It's a couple hundred right. bucks to to right. be a judge. So it is not easy, and uh, it's not like you're getting uh, rewarded handsomely for doing that job, that very difficult job. So right. there's that. The other thing, though, is you know, just to put ourselves in in the shoes of the judges. Um, a, as you know, again, we have the luxury when we're cage side of having a monitor. Right. And everyone right. at home is watching the fights. We're getting all of the best angles when you're in the octagon or when you're octagon side, you're not seeing all those things. So one thing that needs to be rectified, in my opinion, is having a monitor, having something there. But now you can call into question, well, what, what about the biased angles? You know, like, what, you know, what angle yeah. are you going to give them? You know, how do you know what what to give them uh, when the production's, you know, kind of managing that? I don't know. Maybe you have three angles out there. I don't know what it is, but yeah. it's very difficult to see all the shots landed. When the fighter's back, it's, it's to you. You don't know what's landing. All you can kind of go on is maybe the, the, the oohs and ahs of the fans or, you know, right. thinking that maybe he landed a shot if the fighter moves his head back or whatever. That doesn't necessarily mean they landed the shot. So it is a very difficult thing, but... Again, just to have monitors cage side, I think really would help a lot. But now, again, I know there's other territory there where it gets questionable. Okay, well, what angles are you going to give them? All that stuff. But I don't know. Something needs to be done because uh, I just don't think they're seeing the whole picture here with, with the judges and, and where they're sitting on the octagon. And you have issues, too. It's commission to commission, right? Because I could sit here and say, all right, right. if the UFC controlled it, you spend $400,000 a year on judges. Right. And you don't have to travel them necessarily. Mm -hmm. They just have to have noise canceled. Five judges yep. a show, 40 shows. You give them each two thousand dollars. So you make it worth their while. Mm -hmm. That's four hundred thousand dollars. But I think at least you need to cancel noise and at least you need five judges. And universally, you've got to get to a better place than you are right now. And it's just so simplistic to say you have to finish fights. Now, I do think for coaches, I think it applies to coaches, right, that you need to be of an understanding that you're not going to be bailed out by judges or open scoring in the UFC. So I do think it's incumbent upon coaches to, to force finishes a little bit. But fighters have enough on their plate, you know, trying to get something done in there. It's just, uh, I don't know. I didn't intend to spend this much time on it, but what a fucking nightmare it was this weekend in Absolutely. a lot of respects. Absolutely. Uh, so uh, Junior Dos Santos keeps himself a heavyweight contender here and a guy who's in that top three to five with a win over the debuting Blagoy Ivanov. 
50 to 45 times three for JDS. I know T. Wood was maybe more critical than you were on the post-fight show, but it's not like you were super kind either. And I think, as Woodley put it, you know, when you have opportunities in a fight like this, given Junior Dos Santos is standing as a former champion and a top-ranked contender, um, you got to throw the heat and try to try to put a guy away. And yeah. I think too often, to your point on the post-fight show, it was you know ones and twos and a one-two-three, but just not much thereafter. And uh, I'm not sure this is going to get Dos Santos maybe where he thought it would, given the nature of this win. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And listen, Junior Santos, a great guy. So it's tough to criticize someone like that. And it's someone who certainly has done so many great things in this sport. But again, he's coming in, you know, with, uh, you know, a couple knockout losses here. So he's coming from that place. He had to play it a little bit more conservatively. He had to be a little bit safer. But yep. the way that you can go about it, you can do it. You can go for the knockout in a safer way. He wasn't cutting angles. He was pa- basically staying right in front of, of uh, Ivanov. So, yeah, I think that's why he felt a little threatened. Uh, he was just looking for one shots and kind of getting in and getting out. Um, yeah, he, he just had to go about it in a, in a better way. I would have liked to see him finish those combinations with his hands with a high kick because Ivanov was right there. His hands were dropping. Um, I thought that was a shot that really would have taken out uh, Ivanov. Um, and Ivanov, you know, to his credit, he showed it. he had a great chin. Uh, but DeSantos, you know, even at heavyweight, you can't just look for one shot. You can't just look for one shot and expect the guy to just kind of drop. Uh, Ivanov has a lot of experience. He's tough as hell. Uh, if you notice those scars, this is a guy who has been stabbed, was almost dead, or actually was like, you know, uh, yeah, he had to come back come back to life off of a stabbing, went right, right through his heart. So uh, this guy was tough, obviously. But uh, Dos Santos, you know, if you wanted to put him away, needed to put together better combinations, uh, cut those angles. So if he did land those combinations, uh, he'd be out of harm's way instead of staying right in front of him, you know, just trading shot for shot because Ivanov would just throw one shot back and then it would land on Dos Santos. Dos Santos had to respect Ivanov there. So, yeah, um, listen, I, I think he's still probably getting accustomed to training over an American top team, but uh, hopefully he looks back at this performance and says, you know what? I got the win. That's number one. That's the most important thing. I did make some mistakes, though. Let's fix these. So in terms of what might be next for Junior Dos Santos, I think he recognized that a fight with Daniel Cormier was going to be unrealistic for more reasons than one. I know that's a fight that Junior would like and hasn't had, but I think there are obvious obstacles there. So he called for a trilogy fight with Stipe Miocic um, coming off the recent loss to D.C. I mean, I think it has merit. The, the first two fights, obviously, well, the first fight certainly was very competitive and could have gone either way. I kind of would like to maybe see a fresh matchup there, but I can understand why Dos Santos went in that direction. Yeah, and I don't know if that's the best matchup for him right now against Stipe Miocic. In my opinion, I think it will be a repeat of what happened in their second fight, honestly. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, unless Junior changes something drastically. Um, So while I think Junior can win that fight against Stipe, it would would take a lot of technical work. I think Stipe um, right now is going to be a little bit too much for him. Um, So... Yeah, I don't think that's the fight. You know, maybe a fight against a, a Curtis Blades uh, would yeah. be interesting. You know, just a, yeah, just a fresh matchup. Right. I just, I, it's interesting that he would see the upside in that Stipe fight, or maybe he just wants to get that one back. Um, but I was a little bit surprised that that was the first name on the tip of his tongue. I know at times in the past they've even shared a manager, you know, so I was right. I was surprised that that's the, the fight he called for. He's probably coming from the perspective of if he beats someone like a Stipe Miocic, right. then he gets that next title shot, you know, possibly. So, yeah. 
So Stipe Miocic, speaking of which, had some interesting things to say to ESPN.com's Brett Okamoto when it comes to the fight and a rematch with Daniel Cormier. Uh, and these are direct quotes from the former champion. I thought they were going to interview me after the fight, and I was going to ask for a rematch. When Brock came in, I said, I'm out of here. I don't need this circus. How can you give a guy a title shot who hasn't fought in over two years, is suspended, and his last fight is a no contest because he was taking PEDs. Uh, he, he goes on to say, I cleaned out the division. I defended it more than anyone. And you're going to tell me I don't deserve a chance to get it back. Get out of here. Kiss my ass. If you don't think I deserve that. I think Dana White thinks he does deserve that. That's the thing. And maybe some part of Daniel Cormier thinks that Stipe deserves an immediate rematch. Certainly, as we've talked about, Joanna Jacek getting a rematch against Rose Namajunas. If any champion deserves it, it's Stipe. Um, but Ken Flo and I are older than 40, so we goddamn well right know that you don't get in life what you deserve. Yeah. And I think for Stipe, direct your venom at Daniel Cormier for starters, right? Because there are martial artists, Kenny, who maybe wouldn't go down the Lesnar train, uh, the money train, if you will. I mean, Daniel Cormier was calling out Brock Lesnar whether he was in the building or not and was going to pursue that fight and strategically pursue fights that are going to result in big paydays. And if, if the early numbers on 226 are any indication – the Stipe rematch is not one of those final two fights for Daniel Cormier. There is so much to chew on uh, <laughs> here with, with what you just said, but uh, let's start with uh, Stipe Miocic. Uh, you'd be crazy to say that he doesn't deserve a rematch. You look at everything he's done in this sport and what he uh, recently accomplished in the heavyweight division and the way, the manner that he did it, he absolutely deserves that rematch. Um, and with DC, I don't know if he's going back to 205. He's probably staying at heavyweight, and who knows what's going to happen with Brock. He's now in the USADA testing pool. You know, right. uh, hopefully everything goes well with him, and he's clean throughout this whole process of six months. Um, and for and for DC, there's so much on the line for him to fight uh, a, a guy like Brock Lesnar, right? Money wise, money wise, and, and for right. Stipe Miocic, you just knock out a guy in the first round. Is that a guy in your mind? in DC's mind that you want to face again? I mean, Stipe right. is a hell, that's a hell of a tough dude. And that's a very dangerous guy. Um, and it was going quite well for Stipe early on in that fight. Daniel, of course, was able to get the knockout, but still, if you get that knockout in the first round, you're going to give that guy a rematch when you have right. a huge money fight waiting for you in Brock Lesnar. I don't think so. And if you're 39 years old, I don't think so. So, right. um, you know, and the other thing that people need to understand, right, and, and it was tough for me to understand when I was fighting, right, because you win, you, you beat the guys that you're supposed to beat, and you say, I should have that next shot. This is a sport. I deserve it. But what you need to see on the other side is it is a business. It is a business at the, other at the end of the day, and people are paying to see you fight. Right. Otherwise, you can go to a gym and you can fight whoever the hell you want. If that's what it's about, if it's about who wants who you want, you know, who you think is the best fighter, go challenge someone in the gym. Go fight those guys. Right. Do it for right. free. But at the end of the day, you can't tell someone that, you know, you want them to pay for your fight if they just don't want to see your fight. If, if they're not exciting or if they don't vibe with you or whatever. Let's look at the WWE. All right. These are guys that are putting on fake fights. And still millions of people are tuning in to watch them every day. Why? Because of the storyline. Right. Because of the, 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 the buzz that they're creating around these matchups. And that's what a fighter needs to understand. Um, you need to generate that interest. Look at Brock Lesnar when he comes into the, into the octagon. All right? Right. He dresses like a hitman. He's already <laughs> a big guy. He's wearing cowboy boots, so he looks that much bigger. He goes out there, you know, punches the camera, pushes Daniel Cormier across the uh, across the cage. 
Yeah. Daniel Cormier's team is trying to fight him. Now, was it the best way that they played it off? Probably not. I still want to see the fight because it's just yeah. fascinating. You know, Daniel Cormier, you know, a lot of people would think, hey, that's a fight that he should win every single time. However, that's a huge man in Brock Lesnar. That's just a fascinating yeah. fight as far as martial arts, as far as the hype that's going to be generated around that fight. So fighters need to be doing a better job of building these storylines before you even get out there. And, you yeah. know, Chad Mendes has been around this sport for a long time, one of the sweetest guys and a badass fighter. And he goes, well, let's see what the UFC wants. Call out a fight. Make a storyline, man. Yeah. Well, we're going to get right back to Boise in a second, but just to sort of know. No, I I love what you said. And just putting a bow on the Brock Lesnar stuff. You know, Dana facilitates Brock being in the building, but it's not like there's some vision of Brock going in there and shoving the newly minted UFC heavyweight champion. That all just developed organically. That's Brock Lesnar being Brock. And obviously he denigrated Stipe a little bit there, looking into the camera and calling him a piece of shit and all that. Not ideal for a lot of us mixed martial arts avids who want to see this sport maybe in a different place but it is what it is and Brock Lesnar has won this UFC heavyweight championship and defended it and even though Curtis Blades for my money has the best case on paper uh if Brock can stay clean for six months uh I have no problem with him getting that opportunity it's a dream fight for Cormier yeah and I think that's going to be the next fight and to your point about DC at light heavyweight this Shogun result is going to be very interesting and all of a sudden this main event this weekend between Shogun Hua and Anthony Lionheart Smith has this extra angle and layer and gravity to it because DC wants to defend against Shogun Hua, who, by the way, has won three straight fights and would be the winner of four straight fights. DC ain't fighting Alexander Gustafson, right? I mean, that's right. you're not going to take the highest degree of difficulty fight for you, arguably, in either division at 39 years old and the weight cut that goes with it. Like, it's it's pretty plain for a lot of people to see. That's not any inside information I have. And not, make, and not have it be a huge pay-per-view. Right, I mean, oh, that they're too. not they're not going to bring in oh, huge pay per view buys. You know, DC's thirty nine years old. He's got one or two fights left. He's trying to get as much juice out of that fruit as possible. You yeah. know, so. And if if something happens with Brock and that fight goes away, it's going to be very interesting. If Anthony Smith wins this weekend as a near three to one favorite, all of a sudden the cupboard may be bare for DC at light heavyweight. And I don't right. say that because there aren't contenders. But if Gustafson gets through Uzdemir. Uh, again, I mean, I do, I'm not going to put a tattoo on the line today, but I would be very, very, <laughs> very surprised if one of Cormier's final two fights is a rematch with yeah. Alexander Gustafson. Uh, yeah. All right, so let's get to Chad Money Mendez because he's obviously the forgotten man, hadn't competed since December of 2015 due to suspension, but he comes back in as big a way as you can, yeah. takes on a tricky, long opponent, and, and knocks him out in the first round. I, I think this injects some... Very interesting blood into the top of this featherweight division, and I think they will match Mendez accordingly as if he's the top five guy that he left as. Listen, I, I agree. And, uh, you know, it, it was an interesting fight. Uh, Miles Jury, as you said, much taller, longer reach. Now, Chad Mendez is probably used to doing that 145 pounds. Um, but there's a lot of mind games that can happen when you're away from the sport for this long, for two years, you know, kind of questioning yourself. Listen, the sport has changed two years. A lot changes, a lot changes in the sport. Um, and fighters are getting better all the time. Miles jury had some momentum heading into this fight. He was feeling very confident. Um, and Chad Mendes was able to take advantage, um, of, you know, the, the lack of footwork, you know, uh, the posture wasn't ideal for miles jury. Uh, and, 
caught himself off balance. Chad Mendes, he's going to make you pay. And I said it on the post-fight show, but you're, you're dealing with a hunter. I mean, he literally is a hunter. He, he's patient. He's going to wait for his perfect opportunity. Uh, and he was, he was waiting for that spot. And as soon as he landed that shot, man, it was all over for Miles Jury. Uh, Chad Mendez, with that killer instinct, instinct was able to take him out uh, and get a big win here. Uh, and he's relevant again at 145 pounds. And, uh, you know, Aldo is no longer the champ. So Chad Mendez, um, I'm sure, is feeling pretty good. Uh, about his chances against guys like a Max Holloway or potentially a Brian Ortega, right? Yeah. So, uh, interesting, interesting fight and, and a great win. Uh, awesome to see a, a great guy and Chad Mendes get the win and be back. And those ground strikes, man, I mean, he'll break your arm if that's what you want, right? Yeah. And I just think he, you know, people work as hard, but they don't work much harder than Chad Mendes. And, uh, yeah, just happy for a good guy to be back in the fold. Yeah. Alexander Volkanovsky, another big winner at featherweight over Darren Elkins. A lot of layers to this fight as well. But in the context of Chad Mendes moving forward, Volkanovsky, according to, to me and a lot of other people at 18-1, and one, is certainly worthy of the Mendes fight. He had the foresight to ask for it, and then Chad won his fight later in the night. Um, but I don't think that'll be the next fight for Chad Mendes, Kenny. I just feel like... They, bigger things maybe will await Chad. And, and again, given where Max Holloway is and the unknown nature of the division he'll compete in next, um, you know, you could see Chad Mendez get fast-tracked pretty quickly here at 145 pounds, I would think. I agree. Uh, again, he's been away from the sport for a little bit, but you look at what he's accomplished in the sport. He has not lost to many people out there. And the guys he did lose to, Frankie Edgar, Jose Aldo, you're talking about elite, elite uh, Hall of Famers. So, um, yeah, I, I think he has injected himself into the conversation again at 145. Um, and you look at the other guys right now that are in the top five, uh, Cup Swanson, Jeremy Stevens, Frank Edgar, Jose Aldo, Brian Ortega. Um, I, I think he's right there with them skill-wise um, and obviously has the experience to get it done. So, um, you know, if he fights a top five guy, I don't think it's unwarranted. I, I think he deserves that. But you're right, though. If you do want to be a champion here in short order, right, call for the rematch with Frankie Edgar, right? Do right. something to sort of matchmake for yourself. But we'll see what they do with Chad Mendez. I, I just don't think it's going to be Volkanovski, who looked really good against Darren Elkins. Yeah. And a lot of people knew Volkanovski was going to be a problem. He was one of the bigger, if not the biggest betting favorite on the weekend against a guy in Darren Elkins who had won six in a row coming in. Uh, I guess my biggest takeaway from the fight is Darren Elkins just absorbing pounds of damage yet again and just becomes a hard visual for a lot of people. And uh, I, I, I just don't know what to say about that. You know, sometimes he's won fights in spite of himself. And I don't know, as the competition gets stiff, to see him absorb damage like this over 15 more minutes is a little unsettling, I think, for, for me and a lot of other people. Yeah, and how's this? Volkanovski did it with uh, an injured rib. I don't know if it was broken yeah, or whatever it right. was, and the rib injuries are, are awful. I've had to deal with them myself, and um, it, it limits your mobility, your movement. Every every time you breathe, every time you move, uh, you know, you twist your torso. It, it's an awful feeling. It's not fun dealing with those. So the fact that he's able to do it shows how tough he is. Um, so a, a risk there every time you head into a fight injured with something like that. So uh, kudos to Volkanovski, who, yeah, absolutely looked great. And he's kind of known as a wrestler, right? He's kind of known as a guy who takes you down, uses his ground and pound, his positioning uh, to walk through you, beat you up, or submit you. 
Um, but his striking was on point as well. Now, he's not the best striker in the world. But for Darren Elkins, while he, he showed some nice kicks to start off that match, he kind of got away from that and started getting into the pocket with guys with uh, Volkanovski and was eating huge shots. Now, the right hand, the cross isn't something that's supposed to land all the time. This is like a power shot. It's the one that's furthest away from the head, right? It, it's not an easy shot to land against another professional fighter, or at least it shouldn't be. Mm. Darren Elkins should not be getting hit with a right hand repeatedly against Volkanovski. You just can't do You can't succeed at a high level if you're getting hit with a cross every time they throw it. Yeah. Now, lucky for him, he has an, a ridiculous chin. But, um, you know, I, I don't want to see that. I don't want to see Elkins get hurt again in a fight. Yes, it's entertaining. Right. And, he, you know, the, it, we're all kind of thinking, is Elkins going to do this again? Is he going to come back? You know, his right. face, he had like the, the raccoon, raccoon eyes with, the, with blood all over. You know, it was yeah. another kind of dramatic fight in that regard. But I don't need to see a guy repeatedly take damage like that, man. Excuse the pun, but I don't oh, want. I, I don't want to see it. Um, so Elkins, you know, defensively didn't come in the way he should have. Uh, and if Volkanovski's not really known for his striking, now he did show improvements, no doubt about it. But uh, you know, there's there's no way he can really move up the ladder here. Uh, yeah. And th- that's my concern for for Darren Elkins. And this guy has a warrior spirit that is far superior uh, to. 90% of the fighters out there in the world. Uh, so he deserves kudos for that. Uh, but, yeah, uh, he, he needs to get better. And, and I'd hate to see a guy like that, you know, suffer, you know, repercussions, you know, heading off of these, these very tough fights. And you know I'm not in the business of retiring fighters, and certainly I wouldn't say that to Darren Elkins having yeah. won six of his last seven, but seeing him go in there with respect to his skill set, but out trying to out-tough guys, right. most guys he's going to be able to outlast and eventually put away and, and get all the bonuses and awards and recognition that comes with that style. But uh, this was a hard visual, you know, when you yeah. sort of think about Darren Elkins 10 and 15 years down the line just absorbing all of this damage. Um, you know, shades of boxing, right? Like, mm-hmm. hey, if you can survive the 10 count, get back to your feet, come up and get another concussion. You know, it's yeah. just scary. Yeah. Uh, all right, a couple other things on the UFC Boise show, and then we'll get to the Hamburg predictions I mean, Nico fucking Price, bro. I know we talked about it with Ray Longo, but just can we hit on that again for the amateurs like me? I mean, he's got that foot like dovetailed, trapping Randy Brown's head in there. I mean, that is some seriously violent shit, Ken Flo. I mean, my twin brother, like, that. this is what he watches MMA for, the right. most violent possible type finishes. And for me, um, I know there was some UFC history in terms of the hammer fist from your back and everything else. Nico fucking Price, baby. How about it? <laughs> The dude, first of all, is pretty diesel, man. This guy, you could see he's a powerful guy, and he's a little bit of a crazy guy. Like he's like, I don't care if I win or lose. I'm going out to entertain. I want to hurt people. That's yeah. what I'm in this sport is to knock people out. Those are the most dangerous guys when they just give no f's, and, and you know yeah. what I'm talking about. So Nico Price is that dude. He he really doesn't care. He just wants to fight and beat people up. It's it's nuts. Um, but uh, yeah, he's had some violent finishes in the in the past as well that that right, overhand right that he landed on Alan Joban that just landed so clean and Joban is tough man he's got some serious skills so Nico Price is is someone to watch who's, who's pretty exciting and he goes for stuff that that's what I like he's yep. an aggressive fighter who's looking to finish you no matter what 
Uh, so uh, cool to see him get the win against a tough opponent in Randy Brown. Uh, Randy Brown was not an easy out for him. Uh, and... Yeah, man, Nico Price, someone to watch in that division, I think. I think he is, and I think he's the type of guy who could step into a short-notice situation right. and really capitalize. I'm not comparing him stylistically to Lando Venata, but Venata stepping in against Tony Ferguson nearly changed his career forever. And I think in a lot of respects, Lando Venata did change his career for the better by that performance and has been put on a lot of big cards because of it. But uh, Nico Price is a beast, and when yeah. he is on, he's got a lot of different ways to, to put you away. And, and Randy Brown certainly uh, can speak to that after this weekend. All right, a couple other names just very quickly. Kat Zingano against Marion Renault. Uh, the fight of the night, Haoni Barcelos over Kurt Holabaugh. I mean, that's as, as spectacular a UFC debut as I've seen in 2018, unless I'm missing something. Israel Adesanya, I believe, debuted earlier this year. But Ken Flo, Zingano, a, a big win for her. She yeah. exhaled as if this was her first win since 2014. Um, I'm not sure that, you know, Amanda Nunes lost any sleep on Saturday night necessarily, but for Zingano, a big win for her nonetheless. A huge win for her, and I know she put so much into, into this fight, yet she was able to focus on... Uh, just being a professional fighter, um, you know, obviously her being a mom, you know, that that alone is, a, you know, as you know, 24-hour-a-day Terrible job. job. Such a hard job. <laughs> it's Terrible very job. tough. So, Awful. But she was able to focus a lot in this training camp and do things for her, not just do kind of the, the group training over at Alliance MMA. She was able to focus on what she needed for this camp. Um, and, you know, again, anytime you get a win in the UFC, it is huge. I was happy to see her get a win. Obviously, she was struggling uh, in that division a little bit. But, yeah, as you said, it's one of those things where I was expecting more from Katzengano. I wanted to see a Katzengano that was going to show a lot more, um, you know, just better decision-making, uh, show a little bit more weapons uh, out there. It was, to me, the same Katzengano. And, and, again, in this sport, it concerns me because, again, as I say it so many times, people are going to throw up for me saying this so much, but if you're not getting better in this sport, you're getting worse. Yep. Uh, and it was tough. And, and Marion Renault, she was just giving up easy takedowns. I mean, she, she really was almost content to just go to her guard, waiting and expecting Katzengano to just make a mistake on the ground. That's not the way it works at an elite level. You need to yeah. create those opportunities for yourself. You need to create these traps. You need to create dilemmas on the ground or on the feet. And Marion Renault was just kind of waiting for, for Kat to slip up. Not going to happen, right? I mean, it, right. it can happen, but probably not going to happen. You need to create these opportunities. And she just was not was not doing enough uh, to, to force Kat Zingano into a mistake. And, uh, you know, Kat was content to score points with those takedowns, land some good ground and pound, uh, and win round after round. But it was definitely, and that was another one. Like, didn't they score one of those, a 10-8? I yeah, 30-26. Yeah, 30-26. What is that? I mean, were yeah. any of those rounds even close to a 10-8 Dude, he had to take a piss, man. He took can a we, piss. Can we, can we the let the, the – it's great. Can we let the judges know that being in guard isn't being in mount? Because you're on top doesn't mean you're in a crazy superior position. Did they not see the Nico Price, Randy Brown? I mean, come on. I mean, are they not listening to Ken Flo rant on the Anakin Florian I podcast? I know, sir. I'm very excited. I'm very they excited. can't. You can't take a piss in the middle of a round. I mean, we're telling <laughs> these like, judges, stay, stay seated. It's five minutes. No, you can't go in between rounds either. Exactly. That's only a minute. You can't make it back. Oh well, that's why I scored it for uh, for Ten. Rick the Gladiator. Oh I don't know what Ten. to tell you. No, Eight. all right. Good stuff on Boise, and I just want to say, I know the NBA has has maybe never been hotter than it is right now. 
But how about mixed martial arts? How about the fact that we come off of UFC 226? And think about all that Boise gave us. I mean, there was a lot maybe this show didn't give us. Mm-hmm. But think about all the shit there is to talk about. Just yeah. your, your average FS1 UFC fight night. Uh, Boise's in the books and Octagon headed to Germany this Sunday night to that end. Let's get to the main event challenge. It's the main event challenge. Anik. The time is most definitely now. Florian. I finished fights. I'm going to do everything possible to win. The main event challenge. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. I'm going to do everything that, uh, possible to win, and I am going to, in 2008 and nine, be using my mic time to great effect. The great Kenny Florian circa, what was that, 08, 09? I, I don't something? know. I don't know. Long time ago. Sounded right, like, sound like Mickey show. Mouse. Yeah, it is amazing. And, yeah. you know, my wife, actually, we had the post-fight show on this morning as I was prepping for the podcast. Not her choice, by the way. Uh, but she said, <laughs> no. Kenny has a great voice. She said, Kenful has a great voice. How about that? <laughs> Out of Christine Annick. She's she likes your nice. voice. She's very so, nice. Uh, all right. Team Annick led at 85-73 going into Boise. Kenflo wins his second straight week for three. It is 88-77. Heading into the UFC Hamburg show this Sunday. It is a Sunday and not a Saturday show, if I'm not mistaken. And with us to make picks today, Ricardo Montero Hernandez. Ricardo, did I get that right, my man? How are you? Yes, sir. I'm very impressed. Hi. How are you guys doing? Thank you for having me. Well, we appreciate you listening to the show and for coming on with us today. Are you Are you in New Jersey? I see that 201 on your phone number. I'm actually in New York, uh, okay. but I, I grew up in New Jersey. Um, I'm of Colombian descent. I moved to New Jersey, and now I'm working here in New York. So were you watching that World Cup like the rest of us, I'd imagine? Yeah, and uh, I'm, I'm sorry that we eliminated Poland, man. <laughs> ha! That's, hey, yeah. that's, but, that's quite yeah, all right. I, I, I was watching it, and it was, it was a good time. All right, so this Sunday, July 22nd, you can see it on FS1. First fight up for a pick today. Uh, heavyweight division, Marcin Tabore, modest 260 favorite, taking on the skyscraper, Stefan Struve, who comes back at plus 180. Struve has lost two straight to Alexander Volkov, more recently Andre Arlovsky. Tabora also here hoping to avoid a third consecutive loss. Ricardo, who do you like, Marcin Tabora or Stefan Struve? I think uh, I think Struve is going to take this one. Um, you know, he hasn't he hasn't looked amazing in his last two, and I mean, both of them have lost the last two. But um, I mean, in my opinion, Tabora was winning that Lewis fight before he got caught with that Houston shovel. But um, but I gotta think, Struve has never lost more than two in a row and i do think that tabora either goes for a takedown to secure uh, a round and struve has some great submissions so i think he's going to use those long limbs and struve is going to take this one by choke ken Flo, early monday morning in los angeles but we need a pick on marching tabora <laughs> and stefan struve yeah who do you yeah, you know, I'm going to go with Struve as well. Listen, I think his height's going to give him some problems on the feet. It's going to be hard for a guy in Tabora who's usually the, the bigger guy uh, to get in and land shots. And I also think on the ground, while I do think that's probably his safest route to victory, I think that Tibor is not really so much of a submission threat. I think Struve probably has better uh, submissions than Tibora. Tibora probably positionally might be a little bit better. But, yeah, I agree. I- I'm going with Struve here. All right, two picks on Stefan Struve, plus 180 or so here on a Monday. Co-main event, Glover Teixeira was to face Alir Latifi. Latifi out due to injury. Uh, instead, it'll be the guy we referenced earlier, I think, Beeston 25-8, Corey Overtime Anderson. Teixeira minus 205, Anderson plus 160. Uh, Ricardo, who do you like here, Glover Teixeira or Corey Anderson? 
here I I think Glover's going to take this one. You know, he didn't look amazing against Serkinov. He got hit a lot, but he's proven that he has an amazing chin. I mean, besides Alexander Gustafsson and Anthony Johnson, which who can blame him? Um, he, he took a lot from Serkinov, and he was able to get him on the ground and, TK, and get a TKO win. And Corey's a wrestler. You know, that's what he does. He's going to try to take him down, but I think Glover, with his high-level jiu-jitsu, he might be able to, you know turn him around and then he he's got bombs so i think glover by tko uh with a ground and pound and can i just say uh i'm so glad beasting 25 8 changed his his nickname because (laughs) jesus christ (laughs) it was time it was time it was time but he recognized Uh. it was time and uh thankfully He's now overtime. Uh, So so Ricardo mentioned there, Ken Flo, Teixeira's knockout of Misha Serkunov. Very stunning, big knockout for him. It was in December back in Winnipeg. It was right in front of Daniel Cormier, who was commentating that night. And Glover, one of these few guys at light heavyweight, one of the few elite guys who never got that shot against Daniel Cormier, trying to inch closer to the top once again here. Does he get it done against the relatively late replacement, Corey Anderson? Well, Kenny 26-9 Florian uh, is a little bit uh, kind of confused with this fight a little bit. Um, listen, I think Glover Teixeira hits extremely hard still. He's he's not the fastest guy, especially at this point in his career, though. That That's what concerns me. And Anderson doesn't have the best chin. So, yeah, I think Teixeira could definitely win this fight. However... I think Corey is going to be able to get it done. Teixeira is good on the ground, but not off of his back. He has shown some serious vulnerabilities there when he's in guard. When he's on top, Teixeira is an absolute beast. Um, And Teixeira does have some decent wrestling defense, but I think Corey's going to be able to land shots from the outside, get in, get out, without uh, getting hit. Uh, And and I think he's going to be able to get a decision win here against Teixeira. All right, main event, Anthony Lionheart Smith stepping up here on short notice, faced Rashad Evans not all that long ago. He faces Mauricio Shogun Hua Smith replacing Volkan Uzdemir. He got pulled from this fight to face Alexander Gustafson. That'll be in Los Angeles August 4th. So Anthony Smith here, minus 280, the favorite. Shogun Hua coming back as the plus 220 underdog. This is the main event. We will need the round and the method of victory. Ricardo, who do you like in the main event? I honestly cannot believe that Shogun is the dog in this fight. I mean, I think people are riding high on Smith's knockout of, uh, of Rashad Evans, but you know, this is, was a sort of Rashad Evans that didn't really express too much, you know, want to keep going in the sport. So I think Shogun has way too many tools for, for Smith. Uh, and this is Smith's second appearance in light heavyweight. I mean, Shogun is a legend. He's been in there with the best. He's got a lot of experience and he's in a three fight winning streak. Uh, and so I think, uh, I think I'm taking Shogun by unanimous decision on this one. All right. So Shogun Hua can flow one appearance in 2015. That was a win. One appearance in 2016 win one appearance in 2017. Also a win. That one was a finish. So his last three victims, uh, Lil Nog, Corey Anderson, John Vellante, all those fights in Brazil, last five fights overall for Shogun have taken place in Brazil. Does Shogun Hua can flow, make it four straight wins this weekend and if so, how does he get it done? Man, I, I've been a huge fan of Shogun Hua for a long time. Um, you know, certainly this isn't the same Shogun Hua that was fighting over in Pride or early on in his career in the UFC. Um, Anthony Smith, though, is fighting with a, with a fire uh, that is unlike a lot of fighters at 205 pounds right now. I think he's very motivated. Uh, still coming up from 185 pounds, this guy is... Uh, 
pretty big, pretty damn big. Huge. Uh, Hua, Hua does not have the same chin that he had before. I like the fact that he's had kind of a long layoff here uh, in between fights. I think that will serve him well. Um, but I, I see Anthony Smith winning this fight. You know, Mauricio Hua has a lot of skills. He does have probably, in some ways, more ways to win than, than Anthony Smith. But, um, you know, not as fast as used to be and defensively just needs to be better. And I just haven't seen those improvements from Shogun Hua. He does get hit. I think Anthony Smith lands a big shot somewhere around the second round and gets the win by TKO. Anthony Smith, round two TKO. And I'm glad you led with the fire, Ken Flo, because that, to me, is the rub right now when it comes to Anthony Smith. You can talk about the experience. This is a guy who at one point was 17-11 and 11 yeah. in MMA. He's now 29-13. and 13. He's won four of five, not cutting the hellish weight anymore. Uh, Anthony Smith, I think the rightful favorite this weekend. Ricardo, I think maybe a little bit wider than I expected as well. But I'm excited for this main event. Not the deepest card you'll ever see on paper, but I'm jonesing to see this main event on Sunday. Ricardo Montero Hernandez, appreciate the time, man. Thanks for supporting the show. Uh, were you a big Kenny Florian fan? <laughs> I was. Uh, I was actually watching his fights on Fight Pass lately because listening to the podcast and watching it on YouTube, like just watching him talk, it's so much different than watching him punch people in the face. It's, it's, it's a weird experience. But, yeah, I'm a huge Florian fan. Thank you guys for having me. Uh, you're the Thank man. You, buddy. Thank you, buddy. Hopefully you beat him this weekend. Enjoy the fights. All right. Take care. <laughs> and he brings up a great point because I don't know that there's anybody uh, I know that is that different. Like you were such an asshole as a fighter, and yet in real life you're – such a nice guy you know and you can say oh brian like brian stan oh, isn't as nice a guy in real life you know what i mean and he wasn't as much of an asshole as a fighter you know you uh, were i mean funny. if you think about it like i think you know whether it was an extra elbow to joe Lozon <laughs> or or oh, i just wow. think the general way well no it's like you weren't looking to be you're not looking for friends yeah. you know i mean this is these are truths kenny and ricardo just brought it to my attention this was not on the on the agenda today yeah I will listen. I learned early on you can't be a nice guy in this sport. Is you're going to get your ass kicked. So uh, yeah. you know, having been the nice guy and gotten my ass kicked a few times, yeah. I realized I kind of have to be a jerk inside the octagon. You didn't hold chokes longer than necessary, but yeah. an extra strike here or there. I mean, those elbows move so quickly you just can't control them. I understand. <laughs> uh, all right, we got to get out of here. I am. I'm off my rocker today. Can you tell I'm underslept a little bit with Dude, the three, three kids? I mean, three kids. I mean, come on, you're doing oh, suicide sprints all the time. Oh, I'm telling you, yeah. I lost to my brother in basketball yesterday, and I did have to do a suicide. That's and, uh, hey, do you remember You remember when you kicked my ass in basketball? I started off hot, and then you just, I think you rained like 10 shots in a row and just destroyed me. Where we got to run that back. Was that in Connecticut? I don't, uh, uh, yeah, maybe in Connecticut. But we got to run that back. Uh, we still got to play tennis, which I know oh, I was yeah, the yeah, underdog. Yeah. I'm the underdog on the tennis court. That's for sure. All right. We got to get out of here. Ken Flo's got jujitsu class to yes. teach or something like that. I got to grab a Diet Coke. Thank you to our producers, John Hill, Jeff Williams, Alyssa Green. Uh, we're back next Monday. We will get you ready for the big show on Fox, Calgary, July 28th. Also, the following week, Monday, July 30th, two weeks from today, we are both going to be live in studio in Los Angeles yes. for the UFC 227 fight week. I will be paying off the Vegemite bet at that time. Um, so we have to figure out a way to get some Vegemite. I don't envision that being a problem. Uh, I am not looking forward to that. Better than the power hour that you're looking at in six months if you don't start picking some winners, well, though. <laughs> I'm telling you, I have to be very careful with this challenge because I, I am way far behind, and you will make me pay if, I, if I'm if i heavy on the Vegemite. So I got to be know smart. I, I know you did not agree to the power hour yet. Uh, it's still uh, being negotiated. All right, for Kenny Florian, I'm John Anik. Thank you all for listening, for subscribing, for watching us here as well. 
Hope I don't look too fat on a Monday. Until next week, see you later. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. Sports betting is sweeping across the country faster than the coronavirus, and wagering week is your antidote. I'm Tom Martin, and I'm a veteran sports analyst and respected sports handicapper who helped build ESPN's brand. I've been recognized and awarded by Pro Football Weekly and Gaming Today magazine as the honest handicapper. Let the other guys give you the same old boring sports talk with the same tired storylines. We'll give it to you straight here every Friday on Wagering Week. Don't gamble with other podcasts. Let Sports Garden Network's Wagering Week help your bottom line. Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly.